This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. This is Jesse. How's it going, Jesse? It's going well, Scott. Is it freezing cold up there yet? No. No, not forever. You aren't in the frozen We thing. never get freezing cold except like me once a year. Uh-huh. It's not a freezing cold place. Well, it gets it gets freezing cold here. But yeah, you're not, in the mountains, though. We are, yeah. Or in the high plateau, anyways. <laughs> Heck yeah. High plains, not drifter. You're high plains uh, resident. <laughs> high plains resident. <laughs> That's the sequel. That's right. In which Clint Eastwood settles down, <laughs> raises kids, occasionally goes to Disney World. <laughs> where's the conflict? <laughs> oh, I love it. That is funny stuff. <laughs> well, I got a lot of cool new releases here for us. Um, kind of had a, a lot of stuff come in while I was gone. Great. Okay, um, first of all, uh, Full Cast Audio um, sent us Hercules. Oh. Hercu- Hercules was the most famous and most beloved of all the Greek heroes, it says. Do we, we could argue about that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, I mean, probably. Keep going. We'll All right. <laughs> um, yet, how many of us today know his full story with its twists and turns, its wondrous triumphs, and its aching tragedy? Born the human son of a great of great Zeus, Hercules was the strongest man alive. But after being tricked by the jealous goddess Hera into a horrible crime of rage, he must make amends by fulfilling a series of frightful tasks. So uh, here you'll find the stories of how the mighty hero faced the many-headed many-headed Hydra battled the ferocious Nemean lion, braved the terrifying depths of Hades, and much, much more. And it's by Geraldine Mikarian. Uh, hopefully I said that correct. So it's, uh, it says, retold by Geraldine Mikarian, uh, read by Cynthia Bishop and the Full Cast family. Uh, it's four CDs. Um, they did a similar one uh, for Odysseus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it, was that what, what it was called? Was it called Odysseus? Yeah, it's called Odysseus instead okay. of the Odyssey. All right. Um, I actually was listening to it, and then I lost it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it disappeared. Uh, and then I found it again. So I, I haven't finished it yet, but uh, I was enjoying it. Cool. Um, yeah. So who do you think is the greatest Greek hero? The greatest Greek hero has to be Prometheus. Prometheus? It's not even a human being. Oh, all right. He's Do you have to be human to be a hero? I, I think so. I'm just joking with you. You know, I'm fine with Hercules being that. How about... Well, he's demi he's demigod. Per- Pericles right? or whatever. Oh, you know, oh, you're talking like... I'm, I'm thinking mythological. Mythological. <laughs> you know, like Hercules, Perseus... Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember too much about all those guys. Um, Perseus is the is the guy who fights the Minotaur. Okay. Okay. Um, Hercules, he's the guy who has to clean out the stables. And Prometheus, he brought us fire, right? Yeah, but he's he's a titan, right? Oh, okay. So he's he's like he's human-like, but he's more like a god, really. But I think the fire was a good move. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna yeah. stick with him. In general, yeah. in general. <laughs> well, cool. I, I, we need the Greek god who uh, 
or the Greek Titan who brought us electricity and the internet. That's right. <laughs> the Greek god of the internet. Hey, you know what? Not him. There's a story there, I'm sure. Although, uh, well, American gods, there was the god of the internet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I I think Odysseus is probably probably the greatest because he's the he's the trickiest. He's the cleverest. Uh huh. And also, he doesn't have this this um direct parentage by the gods like a lot of them do. Ah. Uh, Achilles, you know, he's mm-hmm. basically why is he so great? Well, his mom's a god. His his uncle's a god. Uh, you know, they're they're thinking about him all the time. Mm-hmm. And that that's what makes him so great. Whereas Odysseus is. Uh, yeah, he's related to the gods, but it's sort of a more distant thing. He's from a remote place. He's just hes just a tricky guy. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Clever guy. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He's, always, he's always scheming and planning. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I like it. All right, hey, we got a uh, uh, thing in from Alan Castor. He was our guest uh, last podcast. Guest Law by John C. Wright. He said he'd Oh, say yeah, that was the one he said he'd... Yep. There be pirates in the vast void of space. Does not the poet say, Beware the strangeness of the stranger? Unknown things bring unknown danger. The noble ship Procrustes was silent as a ghost. Warships can be silent if they are slow, only their missiles need speed. And so it was silently, slowly, that Procrustes approached the stranger's cold vessel. And it's called Guest Law by John C. Wright. Uh, 51 minutes long. Sounds familiar. That yep. should be great. That's so. That's the. That's probably the last of the great science fiction story series. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, and the rest of them are going to be. Uh, In bundles. Continue to publish, of course, but they're going to publish uh, anthologies. And I started to listen to. Um, here it is, right here. Aliens rule. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to the first story by James Van Pelt um, called uh, "How Music Begins," and it was pretty good. I mean, it was really good. Oh. Um, it's about um, kind of a like a music class, kind of a junior high school music class that's uh, being uh, held by aliens, although you never really see them um, until they get something perfectly right. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of interesting things happen there. But it was very good. I like James Van Pelt quite a bit. Um, but this is his first appearance on audio that I know of. I don't know if he's been on uh, um, any of the podcasts before. I, 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 he doesn't sound familiar, so yeah. I would guess not. He's a very, very good uh, short fiction writer. Um, that's what he does mostly, but he's uh, started to write novels. So. Okay. All right. Now, from Listening Library, that's uh, an imprint of Random House, we have a couple of YA books from Tamara Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, they're... The series is called Becca Cooper, B-E-K-A Cooper. Um, the first book is called Terrier, as in, uh, but there's not a picture of a dog on the front. There's a picture of a girl holding what looks like an axe handle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Hundreds of years before Alana first drew her sword in Tamara Pierce's memorable debut, Alana, the First Adventure, Tortle had a heroine named Becca Cooper a fierce young woman who fights crime in a world of magic. This is the beginning of her story, her legend, and her legacy. Becca Cooper is a rookie with the law-enforcing Provost's Guard, commonly known as the Provost's Dogs. 
To the surprise of both the veteran dogs and her fellow puppies, Becca requests duty in the lower city. The lower city is a tough beat, but it also, it, it's also where Becca was born, and she's comfortable there. And hmm. Yep, so then um, they also sent us book two, which is called Bloodhound, and it has a picture of the same girl on the front, and... Uh, What's the age? Yeah. age? Like, wh- who are they aiming this at? Um, it more appears. It is definitely YA. YA. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely YA. Um, it says here Becca Cooper Book One Terrier is also available in print from Random House's Children's Books. It says YA on it, um, but it doesn't have an age range that I can see. You know um, what it makes me think of? It's like, wh- why why are they all named after dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it, and you know, it's all if it's aimed at girls, right? It's like so that they can take back the word bitch. Huh. But uh, if it's if it's you know young enough YA, they they probably wouldn't do that. It's uh, it's too on the nose, as they say. But mm-hmm. uh, w- what do you think? Looking at the what's it say on the back? On the back of the second one. Yeah. Um, you want, want me to read the description? I don't see any uh, age range. Is that? Yeah. No. No. Just the description. Okay. The, the second book says Becca Cooper is no longer a puppy. She's a dog now, a full-fledged member of the Provost Guard, which keeps the peace in Chorus's streets. Becca's natural skills of observation and tenacity are augmented by her unusual music, magical talents. But even her magic isn't very useful when unrest comes to Tortal's capital in the form of counterfeit coins. The dogs discover that gamblers are bringing the counterfeits from Port Kane. Becca and her mentor, Clary Goodwin, are chosen to go undercover in Port Kane and find out what they can. Departing from Corus with her are the scent hound, Achu, who has been newly assigned to Becca, and the pigeon, Slapper, who carries the voices of the dead. So it's like, it's uh, talking animals? Uh, looks like, maybe so. Yeah. Just trying to see their Wikipedia entry. Um, the story is told from a series of journal entries made by Becca Cooper. She trains to become a dog, a nickname for the guards in the employ of the lo- Lord Provost. Okay. Mm-hmm. That sounds good, like it could be good. I know Tamara Pierce has a big following. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of her titles are from uh, full cast. Right. Yeah. I wonder These if they'll... Uh, they didn't pick this up uh, because it's it it has uh, harsh language. Um, boy, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Uh, it's maybe you know it wasn't available to them. I, I don't know. Well, we'll have to listen to one and find out. Who's the narrator? Um, the narrator for the first one is Susan Deniker, mm-hmm. and they kept her for the second, so she's on both. Right. Yeah, she says, uh, Susan Daniker's extensive theater credits stretch from London to La Jolla. Her film and television work includes American Friends and the BBC series As Time Goes By. She currently resides in Los Angeles. We've got, uh, first one came out in 2006, and Bloodhound <coughs> came out in April 2009. Oh, good. And there's a third one called Mastiff, uh, coming 2010. Wow, Okay. So, so the I'll see if I can interest Chris in one of those. Definitely. Or, yeah, so if we can get him to listen, we'll do it. Definitely. All right. Now next, now this one's from Random House proper. It's not a, it's just Random House audio from Margaret Atwood. 
Oh, great! Yeah, it's called The Year of the Flood. Um, the times and species have been changing at a rapid rate, and uh, the social compact is wearing thin. Adam One, the kindly le leader of the God's Gardeners, a religion devoted to the melding of science and religion, as well as a preservation of all plant and animal life, has long predicted a natural disaster that will alter Earth as we know it. Now it has occurred, obliterating most human life. Two women have survived. Wren, a young trapeze dancer locked inside a high-end sex club, and Toby, a god's gardener barricaded inside a luxurious spa. Have others survived? Meanwhile, gene-spliced life forms are proliferating. As Adam One and his intrepid hemp-clad band make <laughs> their way through this strange new world, Wren and Toby will have to decide on their next move, but they can't stay locked away. So, so again, yeah, very... Definitely science fiction. But, yeah, definitely yeah. sounding like that. Um, so that's the one my mom wants to review. Great, it's here. <laughs> Great, fantastic. And she'll be she'll be pleased to hear that. She she's become addicted to Audible. Oh really? I believe that? That's great. I I thought I think that's really interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. she she um, signed up for the uh, monthly program, and uh, and then she's like signing up all her friends too. She. She was like, Jesse, is there some way for you to get a kickback from Ottawa? I said, well, we don't really have any affiliation with them other than, you know, they send us stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, 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 I gave them Tony Smith's, uh, you know, well, he's got an ad on his his podcast. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like audible.com slash podcast slash Starship Sofa or something like that. And Right, right. I sent her that, but um, she's she's yeah she's like downloading all sorts of stuff now. Most mostly she downloads uh, nonfiction, mm -hmm. uh, but but the uh, latest one on there, I said yeah yeah we saw that, and she said oh get it for me I'll review it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we'll see. There I think is. that'll be her first review. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to that. That's great. Uh, it's from Random House. Yep, Random House. Okay. And it is and read by Bernadette Dunn, Katie McNichol, oh. and Mark Bramhall. Oh, it's uh, got a three readers. Yeah. Cool. Yep, neat. That's that's becoming a bit of a trend now, isn't it? I think it is, you know. I, I like that they're paying attention to the text. You know, if there's three readers, it's probably a reason for it. Well, it sounded like there was at least three characters. There. Yeah, so uh, if they're doing it all with, uh, you know, from the point of view, you know, this section is from the point of view of this person, you know, and then, mm -hmm. you know, I like that they're doing that. They didn't used to do that a lot, but now it's just it's seems It's very to rare. Be, yeah. It's very rare. I like, I like that style. You know, I don't, I don't particularly like the style where they uh, play roles, you know, um, except for from full cast audio. Full cast audio is in a different league, in my opinion, but... Um, most of the time when they try that, I think it, it doesn't work very well. I, I haven't had a lot of negative experiences, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it as long as they pick the right people. You know, they pick mm -hmm. people who are you know, stage actors, real actors, you know, not movie actors. Or if they are movie actors, they have to be real actors. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. You bet. That's great. Well, we were talking about Audible, so I can go to Audible now. Okay. Um, before we get to the rest of these that have come in in hard copy. But Audible, again, another explosion, you know, every two weeks. It's just amazing. Um, 
first up is the Wind Up Girl by Paolo Basigalupi. I don't. I'm, I'm probably That's murdering right. that name. Um, no, he's a very right. popular uh, short fiction writer. Anyway, his new novel has been getting a lot of uh, buzz, and now it's on audio from Audible Frontiers, and it um, they put that out over last uh, it was on the 15th of this month. Um, it's read by Jonathan Davis, and also there's some bonus audio in it. Um, well, first let, let me read the description first. Anderson Lake is a company man, Agrigen's calorie man in Thailand. Undercover as a factory manager, Anderson combs Bangkok street markets in search of foodstuffs thought to be extinct, hoping to reap the bounty of history's lost calories. Then he encounters Amiko. Amiko is the wind-up girl, a strange and beautiful creature. One of the new people, Amiko is not human. Instead, she is an engineered being, crèche-grown and programmed, crèche Crash groaned and programmed to satisfy the decadent whims of a Kyoto businessman, but now abandoned to the streets of Bangkok. Regarded as soulless beings by some, devils by others, new people are slaves, soldiers, and toys of the rich in a chilling near future in which calorie companies rule the world, the oil age is past, and the side effects of bioengineered plagues run rampant across the globe. So, the bonus audio... Mm-hmm. is in an exclusive introduction the author explains how a horrible trip to Thailand led to the idea for the wind-up girl and I love when they do that a horrible trip to Thailand yeah <laughs> should have gone to the magic, uh, magic yeah I should have went to the, to uh, Disney World Disney World yeah <laughs> clearly he would have not had uh, this horrible encounter but then he wouldn't have ended up with the wind-up girl that's true so yep looking for that Jonathan Davis I've raved for, about him before. Yeah, I, I really like him as a narrator. And I, I, I'm liking favorites. him a lot more since uh, I'm hearing him not do all Star Wars all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He seems to have moved on from that. Uh, um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he's getting uh, a relief of that, too. Yeah, Just, yeah. You know, doing the voices of the, the same guys over and over. Sure. Um, that, that one it sounds really good, but 20 hours. That's the length of that thing. Wow. I'm just thinking uh, that is a substantial book. Yeah. They're all they're all so long these days. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's not the first uh, in that universe. Uh, well, I think uh, the the other ones were short stories, weren't they? I must no? must have been must have been at least a little shorter. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think. I think there was one similarly. Uh, oh, uh, the fluted girl. That's one from Infinivox. Oh, uh huh. By oh, the same that's, guy. That's a short. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's like an hour or okay. something like that. Wow. Gotcha. Um, you know the one that I spotted on Audible that has got me really excited. What's that? Um, it's the. Um, it's actually from Recorded Books, their new sci-fi imp- sci-fi audio imprint. Uh huh. Um, Saturn's Children by. Charles Strauss. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that made me really excited just because um, that that's one of those titles where it's probably not going to present anything brand new, mm-hmm. but it's Charles Strauss, and it's he's he says you know I'm doing Heinlein here, people. <laughs> this is my take on Heinlein, so it should be fun. Well, good. That's cool. 
Um, it up here. Yeah, one that I saw that I'm extremely excited about is another Arthur C. Clarke. Um, the oh, city, another one. The City and the Stars. Oh, that's... Uh, the, I think that's not from uh, Audible Frontiers, though. I think that's the full cast version. Is that... Oh, is no, it? Not from full cast audio, but from um, a, a new new company. Okay, let me take a look here. Uh, no, I think it's... Well, maybe you're right. No, it says narrated by Jeffrey T. Williams. Um, just by Jeffrey T. Williams is the publisher. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's one of my favorite books of all time by Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, City in the Stars is great stuff. It's an amazing it's, book. It's eight hours long. Um, which seems long, doesn't it, to you? It seems um, long, long for me because it's a short book. It's it's less than 200 pages, isn't it? I would have guessed it at about six hours. Yeah. Um, if this isn't the one I saw before, it is similarly arted. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Jeffrey T. Williams, just listen to the narration. Hmm. Straight narration, sounds like? Straight narration. Uh, although, I think I hear something in the background. Okay. Sounds right, like well, a wind blowing in the background or something. Oh, okay. Well, I'm definitely going to give it a listen and uh, I'll report on it. Hopefully they didn't add that kind of stuff to it, but we'll find out. Uh, yeah. I think I sent you a link to to somebody who had a new audiobook company, and this was their only title so far. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, a while ago. Um, In any case, it's definitely worth pursuing just because it's it's the city and the stars. I have a cassette version um, I got years ago from a company called Landmark Audio, Uh and um, it was uh, Arthur C. Clarke I hadn't read in paper, and so I thought, oh, great, Arthur C. Clarke, and it ended up being one of my favorite things he's ever written. Oh, good. Very impressed by, yeah, that, that novel. Cool. Alright, uh, also, uh, at Audible, if you're a Robert Charles Wilson fan, you'll you'll just love this. They just released four novels. Oh. Um, Blind Lake, A Bridge of Years, The Chronolis, and Darwinia. All released uh, by Audible Frontiers. So many in a short period of time. Yeah. Um, in fact, you're making me think, you know, I need to verify that that's Audible Frontiers. I'm nearly positive, but I better take a quick look here. Um, anyway, I read, I listened to Spin. I've listened to two Robert Charles Wilson books. Um, Spin and um, Julian Comstock, which is his latest one. Um, yes, those are definitely Audible Frontiers, all four of them. Blind Lake, A Bridge of Years, The Chronolist, and Darwinia. So if you're a, if you like Robert Charles Wilson, um, this is extra awesome. Okay, also, uh, Ian M. Banks, Transition, the unabridged version, is available on Audible. Let me find out what company that's from. Hatchet Audio. Hatchet. 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 It's French. Audio. Okay. Yep. Are they... Yeah, okay. So, Hachette Audio. It, they, they bought out um, uh, Time Warner Audio. Oh, okay. All right, great. Um, narrated by Peter Kinney. So, um, I, I listened to... 
uh, you know, you you have a post out there about transition the podcast, which is yeah, the bridge version. Mm-hmm. I listened to the first podcast of it, and yeah, I really really like it. Um, you know, I haven't read any culture novels, which um, I, I went and got um, the first one, so I'm going to read that one. Uh, it's what is that called again? That first uh-huh. novel. Hold on, I have it right here. Oh, consider yeah. Phlebas. Right. Ble- yeah. So I've got that one in my hands now. It's not audio. I don't think it exists on audio. I, at least I couldn't find it. I don't know. And uh, anyway, I'm going to read that. Uh, you know, th- these novels are ones I've always m- meant to read, <laughs> but never have got to. So hopefully I can get to these pretty soon. And then uh, I, I don't know. They, they don't seem to follow any strict timeline or anything. You know, maybe somebody who's read them can correct me, but I don't know if one book follows another book. I think they're kind of like the uh, um, Terry Pratchett's novels. Just yeah, I think you're right about of, that. Lots of entry points and uh, and that, but I'm just going to start with that first one and see what I think. Um, okay, then two more that I noticed was the unabridged version of Dune House of Trades, read by Scott Brick. Um, okay. That was the first book that came out by uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Um, Are written, they re-releasing they've it? Written, yeah, they're re-releasing it because it, previously it was only abridged. Um, oh. It was read by um, Tim Curry, um, the abridged okay. version. So now it's unabridged, read by Scott Brick, and they're going to come out with the three house novels that way. And then lastly, one that uh, struck me was Treason by Orson Scott Card. Mm-hmm. Um, Orson Scott Card has nearly every word he's written on audio, it seems like. Um, yeah, I think is, you're right. <laughs> yeah, this is one of his early books um, called Treason, and it was just released. From Blackstone, it From says. Blackstone, right. Um, and then it's worth mentioning, um, Audible's having an amazing sale right now. They're selling 250 unabridged audiobooks for $4.95. I assume you have to be a member already of some type. I don't know what the membership level you need to be. But I don't I think just, you have to have any level. I think you just oh, have yeah? to be... You just have to have an account. Okay, so it's four four dollars and ninety five cents, and I, I found six of them that um, I would buy immediately, probably. Um, Kindred by Octavia Butler, uh-huh. Ring World That's by Larry Niven, The Sparrow yeah. by Mary Doria Russell, Stalking, oh, yeah. yeah, Stalking the Vampire by Mike Resnick, uh, The Terminal Experiment by Robert J Sawyer, uh-huh. and Way Station by Clifford Simak. So um, wow. Anyway, those some, are uh, stuff kick, designed kick for us. Titles. Yeah, mind yeah. you, out of 250 titles, that's not very many. Uh, well, there, there's more science fiction in there. These are ones that I just really would like, right? Um, or liked, or would like, um, and and 125 of them are nonfiction. Uh, so they're selling 125 fiction and 125 nonfiction. Okay. So, yeah, but lots of good stuff. Well, I think the nonfiction market is also growing. Um, yeah. I don't think they're doing. I don't think they're doing releases on their own. But um, yeah, it, it looks like uh, that's. Is that the Tom Parker? Okay, so that's Grover Gardner reading uh, uh, Ringworld. Oh, is it real? Tom, Tom oh. Parker's a uh, pseudonym of oh, okay. Grover Gardner. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, on nonfiction, you know, I find I actually find nonfiction a little bit easier to listen to than fiction. 
to be honest with you. Um, it's almost like, you know, when I'm working, like if I'm programming or something like that, I can't listen to fiction. It's impossible. Um, I completely lose the thread of whatever's going on. But, but nonfiction, it doesn't have the same kind of a thread. So if I were to miss a section or something, I could go back if I need to. But um, it's always, it's easier to follow, you know, uh, while I'm doing something uh, like that. Like I can always listen to the radio or something like that. Yeah. But I just well, can't, I just can't listen to fiction. Saying, what you're saying also explains why people who listen to podcasts don't always listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Because um, when you're listening to a podcast, it's usually it's one person talking, and um, they're not telling a long narrative story that's a novel, right? Listening to fiction or short stories is, is quite different from listening to... Uh, the television in the background or listening to a podcast or the radio they're all mm-hmm. related in that they're audio but they're not they're not uh, the same kind of brain activity yeah yeah the latest nonfiction one I listened to by the way was from Audible it was um, Steve Martin's um, Born Standing Up Oh, okay. Yeah. You mentioned Steve Martin in the last podcast. And, mm-hmm. um, but I had had this book before that. I was actually listening to it when you mentioned him. But he... Uh, I've he's always a been a big writer. fan of his. Yeah, and he's a, he's a really good writer, too. Very funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was neat to listen to I, I I loved his comedy albums, and I listened to them over and over. Um, but it was neat to hear his story. That was that was was It was very, very interesting. Highly recommended. He reads it himself. Is it a biography? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, born standing okay. up. It's more or less the story of uh, him from uh, as a as a young man all the way through how he got famous as a stand-up comedian, and then stops there. I thought I thought that was uh, already explicated in the movie The Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. <laughs> That was yeah. <laughs> that was one of my favorite movies when oh, I was yeah. a kid. I thought that was like the, one of the funniest movies ever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talks about that too. That was great. He was still doing stand up at that time, and then then he stopped. So. Did you get that on Audible? Yeah, I did. I got it on Audible, and it was yeah. it's about four and a half hours long, unabridged. Yeah, that's one of the other things I like about his stuff is it's it's very reasonably length. Mm-hmm. It's not. He doesn't write. Uh, to, I guess when you're when you're you know famous for other stuff, they don't make you conform to whatever standard it is that uh, the other other folks should conform to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes it makes you more apt. You know, the different is uh, is good. It makes you more apt to buy its stuff too. Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, you know, another title that um I saw wasn't it on on Audible. Um, it was, I think it came in uh, an email from the publisher, uh, a new Richard Matheson collection, I think it is. Did you see that is it one? 20,000? 20, it's called The Box. The Box, okay. I haven't Uncanny that Stories. Hmm. Um, and it's read by Grover Gardner, which is great. Um, and I think it's got the story um, that was included in an episode of the. Twilight Zone 1985 1986 series uh-huh. um, where a couple has um, um, a mail delivery or, or a box turns up on their doorstep, they open the box and there's a button underneath a glass 
right? Mm-hmm. And the idea is, it comes with a note. It says, uh, "Press the button to get what you want." You make a wish. You press the button. You get what you want. Um, and so here's the publisher summary. It says, "What if you were told that you could make a fortune just by pushing a button on a box?" Uh, but by pressing this button will simultaneously cause the death of another human being somewhere in the world. Someone you don't know. Would you still push the button? <laughs> and the, then the uh, uh, title story is Button Button. Richard Matheson's chilling tale of greed and temptation is now the basis of The Box, the new film from the director of Donnie Darko. In addition, this outstanding collection also contains many other unforgettable stories by Matheson, the award-winning author of I Am Legend and What Dreams May Come. Hmm. So I, I don't know what other stories are included in there, uh, but I guess this upcoming release of the uh, movie has done good things for Richard Matheson short story lovers. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, here we go. Here's a list story. of stories. I'm, I'm on Amazon, and one of the reviewers has listed them. Oh. Um, Button Button, Girl of My Dreams, Dying Room Only, A Flourish of Strumpets, No Such Thing as a Vampire, Pattern for Survival, Mute, Creeping Terror, Shockwave, Clothes Make the Man, The Jazz Machine, and Tis the Season to be Jelly. <laughs> Thanks to James N. Simpson uh, from Australia, uh, who Thank wrote the you. review on that. Yeah. Um, it says uh, four four and a half hours, so it's not a huge collection of shorts. Okay, so I hope he's talking about. Oh, this review is about from the paperback, so hopefully they've included it all. Okay, and audio. well, it's it's that's possible because Richard Matheson short stories don't tend to be really long, as far as okay. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, the Nightmare at 20,000 Feet had a bunch of stories in it, too, and it wasn't very long, either. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, do you still have that? Yeah, I do. Okay, yep. good. Yep. Um, Macmillan Audio. Um, right. That's who, who published it. I'm glad to see they, they snagged Grover Gardner. I, 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 he sort of disappeared from audiobooks for a while, and... Or at least the ones I was listening to. Mm-hmm. Now he's he's coming back. I'm yeah, really I think I thought that. that he was um, kind of I don't know what you'd call the position, but he was deciding who read what at um, Blackstone. So he ah. he kind of had another job there, but he was still narrating the Vorkosigan series, all of the Lois McMaster Bujol right. Vorkosigan books. And yeah, now um, I see that Falling Free is coming out, but there's still one more to come out. And then um, that series is complete. Um, but he read, it's definitely he read all someone those. you want in the booth, you know, mm-hmm. because um, I, he. I've been listening to Grover Gardner audiobooks for at least at least twenty years, uh-huh. and I, he's just one of the best ever ever out there. I think. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way he tells a story. Well, good. Yeah, I like him too. All right, and I've got some more here from Blackstone. Okay. Five more titles. First one is The Mystery of Grace by Charles DeLint, read by Paul Michael Garcia and Ty Simmons. It's unabridged. Uh, On the Day of the Dead, at the Salona Music Hall, Alta Gracia Quintero meets John Burns just two weeks too late. 
Grace, as her friends call her, has a Ford Motor Company tattoo running down her leg, and Grace worked deep into her hands. She works at Sanchez Motor Works, customizing hot rods. Finding the line in a classic car is her calling. Now, now Grace has to find the line in her own life. Grace loves John, and John loves her, and that would be wonderful, except that John, like Grace, has unfinished business. He's haunted by the childhood death of his younger brother. He's never stopped feeling responsible. Before their relationship can find its resolution, the two of them will have to teach each other about life and love, about Hot Rods and Elvis Presley, and about why it's necessary to let some things go. This so, sounds good. Yeah. yeah well, different. Not, yeah, it is different. I'm not sure if there's a fantastic element in it or not. Charles the Lint, there probably is. Yeah, he's, he's a, yeah. Usually fantasy. Fantasy element, I would say. Yeah. Magic. Has a nice cover of a girl looking at a skull she's holding in her hand, just like uh, Alas, poor Yorick, from uh, Hamlet. Oh, I knew him, Horatio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Robert A. Heinlein. Oh, that, uh, that reminds me. Oh, um, go ahead. I got to send you, or, yeah, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to send it to you, um, because it's hard to get you to watch stuff if I just tell you about it. Uh-huh. Um, I've got a DVD set uh, that I think you'll like. It's a um, Canadian show um, called Slings and Arrows. It's mm-hmm. about, um, uh, it's uh, in Ontario, there's a company called Our City called Stratford, which is uh, a well-known city, I guess, in in the UK as well. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it does the same thing. It's a theater city. Uh-huh. And this is a show from a few years ago on cable Canadian uh, TV, and it's it's uh, about a theater that is having trouble getting an audience. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the corporate backers are suggesting, you know, you should uh, just put on more musicals. <laughs> and they said, we're, we're a Shakespeare theater company. We don't do musicals. Um, and it's like a six-episode series done in a sort of an HBO um, style. Uh-huh. Really good. Really oh, good. Cool. Really funny. Right. Um, and it's got, it's got... It doesn't have, you know, the entire play of anything, but it has lots of long snippets with... Lots of actor, stage actory goodness. So, oh cool! I'll, uh, I'll see if I can box that up and send it off. Oh, that'd be kick butt. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I'm. I, I just. I got that one, and um, I've got season two and season three in my hands. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch those next. Fantastic. Cool. All right. Um, Robert A. Heinlein, uh, Podcane of Mars. Cool. Read, read by Emily Janice Card. Um, let's see, from Blackstone Audio. Uh, from the author of Friday and Rocket Ship Galileo comes this classic tale featuring the Grandmaster of Science Fiction's most remarkable heroine, Podcane Fries, a smart and determined maid of Mars, has just one goal in life to become the first female starship pilot and rise through the ranks to command deep space explorations. So when she is offered a chance to join her diplomatic uncle on an interstellar journey to distant Earth via Venus, it's a dream come true, even if her only experience with diplomacy is handling her brilliant but pesky younger brother Clark. But she's about to learn some things about war and peace, because Uncle Tom, the ambassador 
plenipotentiary from Mars to the Three Planets Conference is traveling not quite incognito enough, and certain parties will stop at nothing to sabotage negotiations between the three worlds. So, um, do they have the same cover as they have on the the actual art? Uh, what, what's the artwork on there? Um, it's a, a lady standing in front of a portal that's out looking into space. I can see a piece She's of blonde. Art on it. Yep, blonde. Okay, so that is the same cover. Um, it is a lady, isn't it? It's not a. She's supposed to be like twelve years old, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. She, uh, so I mean, is this I've is this one of his? Uh, um, it's a juvenile. Juvenile. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. a great book, actually. It's it's uh, it's a well drawn character. Um, but there's also a possibility. It's funny that they put a a, a woman on the cover instead of a girl. <coughs> Excuse me. I I mean I can't quite see the the picture I've got is quite small. Mm-hmm. But um, she, I mean, her hair length is enough to think you know she's been around long enough to have her hair grow quite yeah, a, yeah. always. Um, no, I can't 100% hmm. see that she. It, what, what, what do you think? What age is she supposed to be on that cover? On that cover, yeah, I would, I would call her. Uh, I don't know, 18 to 22, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So definitely, um, uh, they've aged her up a bit. Right. Yeah, um, it's uh, also an interesting story on the end of this one. What what ending they put on it? This is a uh, one of the Heinlein novels that had a um, alternate ending. Mm-hmm. When it was originally published, um, it had a uh, an ending that was mandated by the editor, oh. and Heinlein didn't like that. But he says, you know, you write the, you write the checks. I, I do what you say. Uh-huh. Uh, so he said it sort of begrudgingly, but he did it anyways. And then um, I guess in the 90s they, um, they reissued the book with both endings, and then had, had uh, readers vote on which one was going to be the new ending, the new permanent ending. Um, and I, I don't remember what they decided. So, I, I mean, I, I got the I got the book, and I, I remember reading them both and seeing, you know, why why they would change it. But huh. I'm not sure which they ended it with. I doubt they endings on this. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. You don't the, see a lot of alternate endings in, in books anyways. Yeah. Uh, but in audiobooks, I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, I don't know of anyone that has. I, I I do believe this is the very first audiobook version, though. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. All right, then I've got uh, John Steakley, uh, Armor, read by Tom Weiner. The planet is called Banshee. The air is unbreathable, the water poisonous. It is the home of the most implacable enemies that humanity and all its interstellar expansion has ever encountered. Felix is a scout in 18-2. Highly competent, he is the sole survivor of mission after mission. Yet he is a man consumed by fear and hatred. And he is protected not only by his custom-fitted body armor, the culmination of 10,000 years of the armorer's craft, but also by an odd being which seems to live with him, a cold-killing machine he calls the Engine. Um, since John Steakley has written four short stories, three films, and two novels, including Vampires, which was the basis for a John Carpenter film. 
Um, so this is a uh, from 1984 is when the novel was published. Oh, neat! Blackstone's uh, version is brand new, like 2009. That's cool. Yeah. Armor. You know what? What? I might be up for that. All right, sounds good. It, 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 I was thinking it was going to be sort of a modern, um, modern, uh, what is it, military SF? Uh huh. But old school military F- SF might be more interesting. Well, that's good. All right. Interesting. Sounds yeah, I good. haven't heard of this one before this. Cool. It's got a cool cover on it. Yeah, yeah, it's looking good. And Vampires, by the way, was one of one of uh, John Carpenter's better, more recent films. Yeah, I, I liked it. I've seen it uh, with James Woods. Yep. Yeah. Good, to- yeah. good take on uh, vampire hunting. For sure. Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. Um, so you okay. you said you were um, you were uh, listening to nonfiction. Any fiction you've been listening to other than the um, yeah? Well, I, I finished Fast Forward. You know, I got to write that up or finished writing that up. You but anyway, flash I'm gonna forward? flash forward. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I thought you said fast forward. No, I'm sorry. Flash forward. I may have said right, fa- fast forward, but I meant flash forward. <laughs> okay. And currently, I'm listening to that Star Trek novelization. Okay. And also the uh, Alien Rules by uh, from Infinivox. Okay. Yeah. So, um, had you read Flash Forward years ago? Um, no, I hadn't read it years ago, but um, I was just refreshing my memory. I, I listened to it, uh, what, six or eight months ago? No, no, I meant um, uh, the, when it originally came out in paperback. Did Flash Forward? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I didn't read um, Robert J. Sawyer until... The first Robert J. Sawyer that I had read that I that I recall was um, the Terminal Experiment, I think. Oh, I remember that recommending was, that you was read on that. audio. Yeah, that was. Remember, we got it on audio. Yeah, and yeah. You recommended it, and we snagged it on audio, and I listened to it. And yeah. then, um, and then I read. Uh, see, it was a, a serial and analog. And I'm trying to remember what the name of the the book was. Oh, it was the first. It was Hominids. That right. was the first one I read of his in print. It was a serial of that that novel that came out in analog. And, uh, but anyway, since then I've read quite a bit of his stuff, and um, I enjoy him very much. Well, he it's a good time to be Robert J. Sawyer, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. His his TV show came out. I didn't see his name in the credits. Uh, the beginning. Oh, you know, I didn't look for it. Yeah, um, look for his name. Either they weren't there, or, um, or maybe they're at the end. And I, but I think that's if they didn't put them in the beginning credits, that's mm-hmm. kind of yeah. crappy. Really. Yeah. Did they? Uh, did you get to see that episode yet? Ah, uh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah me too. What did you think? First episode. I thought uh, I was reading the reviews. Uh, what other people thought, and I, 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 I can sort of agree with every what everybody said is like definitely good potential. Mm-hmm. Um, characters are a little bit underwritten at this point, mm-hmm. but that's probably because they introduced so many of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dialogue was good, not great. Um, uh, it looked it looked like you know well budgeted. Yeah. Um, you know appropriate. Um, I think they're going to do more with, uh, you know, bringing in that Alex Kingston, the actress who played the British uh, 
agent or whatever it is, oh, yeah. British police officer or whatever it is. I think that'll bring in some more global uh, global disaster sure. info. Yeah, and it's uh, in, it's interesting. Yeah, they've they've changed it really quite a bit. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah, um, even the main characters, you know, they aren't even scientists. You know, they're the typical cops and, um, yep. you know, uh, doctors, right? Cops and doctors. Cops and doctors. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and also the the flash forward is only six months, not uh, twenty years. It was twenty one years, I think, in the novel. Yeah, I um, think I. Which think, you know you, you can understand yeah. a lot of that, but but. Um, yeah, Robert J. Sawyer's basic idea is definitely intact, and uh, you know that there's a lot of. I also think stuff. what he explores is going to be intact. You know, I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I agree that the the dialogue was not terrific. Um, I think that it wasn't um, terrible. It just wasn't great. Yeah, that them figuring out um, that what they were looking at was the future that that came way too easily. Um, I thought, and in the novel, it took him a little while to kind of say oh my goodness look what we've got here you know we we're uh you know we're actually looking at the future where in in the tv show it was like you know i think we're looking at the future <laughs> you know what i mean and it yeah. was just uh it was it was very easy well but the, you the, know the, the, that's a very very hard thing to yeah. the timing of what when characters should know things is always mm-hmm. very hard um, in fiction, mm-hmm. um, I'm listening to uh, one called uh, Terminal Freeze right now. Yeah, um, uh, I think it's by uh, Lincoln Child. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's Lincoln Child. Um, let me just check on that. Yeah, Lincoln Child, um, and uh, all the characters. <laughs> so I'm going to digress a little bit. This is a book about a bunch of characters up in. Um, the Alaska at an old military base who are uh, investigating uh, they're scientists who are investigating the retreat of um, uh, the glaciers uh, and trying to gather data from the the melting ice so to find out about old ecosystems paleo paleoecology mm-hmm. right they're trying to find out what the old ecosystems were like by looking at what was trapped in the in the ice, and they have to look at it right now because the ice is melting. Hmm. Um, if they wait, it's just mud, and then the data is no good, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, as this this uh, glacier retreats, um, it uncovers a cave um, that was inside of the mountain where the glacier was, you know, retreating from. And they go into the cave, and they discover there's uh, some something trapped uh, in the ice under the in the cave. And it looks like a Smilodon, you know, like the old, um, uh, what's it called? Smilodon is the tiger with the giant tusks. Hmm, okay. You know, a saber-toothed tiger. That's, oh, okay. That's the, the name for it. They, they can just see the eyes, and it, they're really big, and they look like cat's eyes, therefore they think it's a Smilodon. And so they, they, they're really excited, they're thinking about what to do and all, all of a sudden the film crew who backed their expedition in case there was anything interesting comes up and takes over uh, to do a you know a reality television uncovering the ice documentary on uh, on this thing and the problem is um, 
they cut the they cut the um, uh, Smilodon out of the ice and put it in a safe room where they're going to defrost it on live television. Uh-huh. And that's you know everybody's going to be excited. But while uh, it's locked away in this in this vault, um, somebody steals it, and that so. Um, it's like, who 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 stole it? And there's a whole sequence on who stole it. But really, I mean, we knew from the very first page of the fact that it disappeared that it wasn't stolen. It escaped, <laughs> <laughs> right? And yeah. it, I don't know if it's a Smilodon yet. I don't think it is, but um, I definitely know it's alive uh-huh. because it's killed somebody, and they're still. And there's still at this point, you know, about two hours since into the book since you know the thing escaped, they're still not sure that it's escaped. You know, no one has come out right out and said it. A couple of people are saying this really looks like uh, it was clawed on its way out. It dug its way out rather than the other way. You know, there's somebody's dead, and they say oh, it's a polar bear. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, if life oh, wow. is taught us anything that. Uh, the monster frozen in the ice is definitely alive, but it is hard. I mean, it's it's hard to um, depict the knowledge of something coming, um, and so I think the choice they made in that show, flash forward, was to give the main character the um, that that line to say that you know I think we're seeing the future. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. That shows he's smart. I see. That's really the only thing they could do. And uh, in the same way, this book, the scientists, I think, are going to be the ones who say, you know, it's it's uh, it's alive, even though it just, <laughs> there's probably no... Re- <laughs> I can't think of any explanation as to why, you know, meat frozen for 10,000 years would suddenly come back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Right, right. Not a bad book so far. Well, um, good. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm gonna definitely watch the next episode. Oh yeah, no, I'll be following Flash Forward. You know, I, I think it was uh, pretty darn good. And my wife watched it with me, and she was definitely interested too. And she hadn't read the book, so um, yeah, I think you know it's gonna be. Uh, I, I expect a lot of twists and turns and uh, lost type stuff on it because it's I kind of being billed as a. Uh, companion to Lost in some way or something that the people who same like network. Lost will like. What's that? The same network? Uh, you know, NBC. I'm not positive. Uh, I okay. I don't watch Lost so I'm not sure where that's at. Um, you know, I think it is though. Se- I think it's, AB- it's ABC. The sequence it? that I really liked that, the, uh, that they added um, was when, you know, he's remembering all the things that were in his vision mm-hmm. and the one thing the first thing that he says, you know, I had a friendship bracelet on. Yeah. And then he's like, he's, I want to, I want to not, I want to find out if this is something I can change. And then his daughter says, I made this for you. It's like, I wanted him to say, I wanted him to say, screw that, I'm not putting that bracelet on and burn it, right? So yeah. that he could definitely find out right away. But it's his daughter and he doesn't want to make her feel bad, so... He right. sort of has to go with it, and that also proves that you know uh, all the stuff that happened to him is uh, um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there, there was another sequence in there where uh, the there was a kid coming into the hospital, uh-huh. and the kid knew the doctor's name. Yes. Uh, I thought that was. 
I, I don't know. I, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't. I haven't said your name in the last two minutes, have I? <laughs> no. <Nope>. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, what is my I name again? Yeah. I don't know. That's fine. As you well know, Scott, <laughs> we are sitting in this room and we have known each other for many years. <laughs> uh, heck yeah. Yeah, it's great. Sorry. All so right. uh, nope. you're listening to Flash Forward? Oh no, I'm done with that. I'm done okay. with that. I'm gonna get a review of that up this week. Oh great. And, um, yeah, and then I'm listening to the Star Trek novelization by uh, Alan Dean Foster. We talked about that a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Exactly. And then that so Infinibox. How's a, he as a narrator, full length? Oh, he's great. Yeah, it's uh, Siler from Heroes. <laughs> Do we get to hear his impressions of uh, McCoy? And- uh, not really. He doesn't... Uh, He's not trying to imitate him. He does, you know, uh, subtle voice changes, but he, he's not doing full-fledged impressions. Okay. Which is good, you know. Unless you can nail him, I guess. I don't know. But, no, I, he's very good. Excellent reader, you know. Okay. Yeah. But he's having fun making movies and uh, TV shows right now. I don't think he'll be doing a lot of narration. No, probably <laughs> but not. But he could. Actually, probably working on the next Star Trek movie. Yeah, I know that they are. I don't know if they're filming or anything yet, but... Soon. All right, you bet. Okay, well, I've got two more uh, from Blackstone. One is by this new guy who I think is going to be huge. (laughs) His name is Ray Bradbury. Yeah, uh, maybe. The Martian Chronicles. Um, We talked about this last week because it was on Audible. Mm -hmm. Um, Stephen Hoy does the reading, and Stephen Hoy is great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, He did a Robert Sawyer book. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, the Robert Sawyer short story. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So anyway, so... The yeah. one you that you had... Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that yeah. yours? He, yeah, he was the one who read it. So you're, you're playing with the big leagues. <laughs> That's right. Shed Skin. <laughs> Shed Skin, ladies and gentlemen, available from Audible. Is it is it in the four ninety five deal? No. No, it's not, but it's, it's already uh, in that range. It's already range. well-priced. Yeah, it's already in that range. <laughs> it doesn't need to be added to the sale. It's always on sale. All right. Um, and then, lastly, Burn Me Deadly by Alex Bledsoe, read by Stefan Rudnicki. Um, I think that's the um, same series as The Sword-Edged Blonde. Yep, it is. It says, Alex Bledsoe's The Sword-Edged Blonde drew rave reviews for its ingenious blend of fantasy and hard-boiled detective fiction. Now he brings back freelance sword jockey Eddie LaCrosse in an all-new tale of mean streets and medieval intrigue. Eddie's on his way back from a routine investigation when his horse almost runs down a half-naked blonde in serious trouble. So we have a sword-edged blonde and a half-naked blonde. <laughs> that was, uh, I put that in. Uh, it's okay. not, it doesn't say that here. <laughs> Against his better judgment, his pr- he promises to protect the frightened young woman, only to find himself waylaid by unknown assailants and left for dead beside her mutilated body. Eddie's quest for payback leads him to a tangled mystery involving a notorious crime lord, a backwoods dragon cult, royal scandals, and a duplicitous femme fatale who has trouble keeping her clothes on. As the bodies pile up, Eddie must use all of his wits if he hopes to survive. What's the title on that one again? It is called Burn Me Deadly. Okay. I'm just looking. There's also another one from Blackstone called Blood Groove, the same author. Oh yeah, we have that as well. It's a that's not in the same series. Um, same author, but that's a different kind of book. Okay. 
Yeah. Tell you, I'm also listening to uh, the Larry Niven, Jerry Purnell. Um, actually, I just finished. I just finished Escape from Hell. Uh-huh. I'm gonna do you that. Um, that's the sequel to Inferno. Okay. And uh, that was that was interesting. They really didn't do a lot different from what they did in the first one, but they're sort of doing it a little more deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's going to be a third one. The ending on this one makes me think that there's not going to be a third. Okay. Um, but I finished that one, and I immediately picked up another Jerry Cornell, Larry Niven. Uh-huh. Uh, the um, Molten God's Eye. Ooh, great. And um, about halfway through that, and quite enjoying it. Oh, good. Quite enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Very, um, it's, it's more like a thinking book than it is an action book. There's not a lot of action. Uh-huh. So far, uh, you know, I don't think there's been one sword fight, one gunfight. Yeah. I don't think anybody's died. Uh, there was uh-huh. one alien who died, but that was an accident definitely an accident so um i'm i'm impressed you know it's like a it's at least a 10 hour book and halfway through there's still still uh not a lot of conflict in the traditional sense mm-hmm. had you read that a long time ago no i haven't read molten god's eye okay i read i remember reading uh part of it um i, I recall someone uh, in a spaceship and uh, pulling G's while they're, you know, it was uncomfortable for yeah, them to that's go to. Yeah, that's the beginning. Yeah. It's pretty but close to the beginning. A, that's my only memory of that book. <laughs> okay. For some reason, it, I never continued. I, I have no idea why. Well, I might, it might be, you know, like I, I was reading some reviews of what people were saying, and um, some of what they're saying is that it's, uh, a lot of people don't like it because it doesn't offer... Um, enough action, hmm. um, but it, it's it's presenting a first. It's a first contact book, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and so you get the first contact with the aliens, and I sort of see some of the things Larry Niven's done in other uh, stories before. Um, you know, he seems concerned about if there was a spaceship to come to Earth, uh, what would prevent us from attacking it. Mm-hmm. And it would have to be that they are overtly saying we're not a warship, and if they're not saying that, then we'd be we'd be uh, very threatened. Uh huh. Um, like it, contact with aliens means invasion, right. and um, there's also quite a lot about gender in there. Uh, the the book only has one female human character in it. Uh huh. But um, the Jerry Purnell, Larry Niven are talking a lot about um, gender relations. It, I'm, I guess it was the 70s, late 70s, so it's sort of a, a feminist um, era. Mm-hmm. And they, they talk about sort of the genetic reasons and the uh, cultural reasons why humans uh, are protective of females and don't let them have certain jobs and stuff like that and then they present this alien culture or alien species or aliens aliens anyways that are uh, uh, gender changeable and so they don't have the same 
uh, outlook as we do. Mm-hmm. And they also, you know, most of the most of the aliens they meet are female, and they put them in harm's way all the time. Why is that? Uh, well, because they've got a uh, different setup, not just a different number of arms, but sexually uh, they're different, uh-huh. and that's it's interesting. I'm really enjoying it so far. Well, good. I'm hoping they they do the sequel as well because if uh, the book continues as it is, I'm going to want to hear the the um, unabridged version of, of the, the sequel. Hand. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Oh, I t- did I tell you about my new new phone? No. Oh, let me tell you about my new phone. I think I sent you a uh, text message Your from new it. iPhone? My new iPhone. Cool. Yeah, you did say um, something about that. Okay. Um, it's, uh, um, I haven't given up my old iPod, uh, for, um, one reason. I, I can't, I don't have a charger for this that I can, you know, press play Uh on and listen to it, you know, at my bedside or in the kitchen. So, until I get one of those, I'm just keeping my old iPod. Yeah, as well. Yeah. But it's um, I really like I, I I like the abilities that it provides just on screen navigation, mm-hmm. even with uh, audiobooks is uh, and podcasts is yeah. quite good. Yeah, did I tell you that I finally gave up my old iPod? No. Um, I did maybe because the last time we talked about it on the podcast, I think I said no, I'm gonna keep you know, I had both. I had an iPhone and an iPod. My iPod was mm-hmm. a 30 gig iPod. And my iPhone is only an 8-gig iPhone. Right. So, um, anyway, so I would put, you know, like every piece of music I own mm-hmm. uh, is like 10 gigs, maybe. It's not a heck of a lot. So right. I have all that on that iPod, and then, you know. But I never really used it. I mean, it was yeah. it was sitting there all the time. Um, but anyway, one day I just said, you know, it's really silly for me to be carrying both of these things all the time. Yeah. So I, I decided to give it a try. And, and what kind of kicked it into gear was um, my son Chris wanted a bigger iPod because he just had a an 8-gig small iPod. Mm-hmm. So um, I said, all right, well, here, you take this one for a couple weeks. I gave him the 30-gig one. And then I'll just use my phone for a couple weeks, and I'll see how I like it. And uh like it just fine. The only, the only negative part about it is that I am always... Uh, concerned about the battery because yeah. I, need, I need the phone to work right yeah. so um i am always always plugging that thing in yeah and i have the car charger and i also have a plug-in charger and i also have the sync cable so there's three opportunities to charge it. so so far i've never run it out yeah but it's always a concern it doesn't last a whole day it's not something that i can just plug in at night I, I can see that too. I've not. I've only had it for a week or so, but um, I'm down to 50% of the charge, and I'm thinking, well, if I was gone for two days, wouldn't I have a problem there? Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, um, I'm not gone that much mm-hmm. away from a charger. Yeah. And um, my understanding is that you keep it turned off. You know, just you, when you're not, um, you know, browsing. 
it doesn't use very much battery, even yeah, with um, that, that's listening. If you, yeah, if you are not watching video, and you're not browsing Playing the internet games, or anything, yeah, yeah the, the audio actually lasts a good long time. Yeah, it's had um, like 16 hours or something Yeah, like that. but if you um, are getting phone calls and stuff on it, you know, every time you turn it on, or if you're watching mm -hmm. a video, video just kills the thing. Um, you know, you, you'd use half. I don't know... If, if I had a full charge, I think I could watch a two-hour movie on it, and then I'd be dead. The battery would yeah. be dead. Yeah. So. What, what I like about it is it's an iPod and a phone and a camera. Those yeah. are the three things that I need the most. Right, Because right. I, I like to have my camera with me. I like to have uh, my phone with me, and I like to have my iPod with me. But that's three pockets. Yeah, yeah. Now I only now, do have you one. have a, is it an iPhone 3G? Is that what they call the new one? 3GS. 3GS. So yeah. how do you like that's the camera the on one. it? I think the camera is better than the one I have. I yeah, have the previous is, generation. Uh, yeah, the 3G is not as good as the 3GS camera. Right. Um. It's it's got all sorts of bells and whistles, you know. It's got a GPS in it. It's fairly accurate. I use the uh, the map, you know, map your destination uh -huh. um, the other day. And oh, and that that I mean that can't be beat. I, I was in a uh, town, you know, like in uh, Pocatello, Idaho, you know, which is an hour north of here. Mm -hmm. And I needed, I forget exactly what I was looking for, but I just pulled out my phone and I, I, I said, I need this kind of store. And it listed all those that it knew of. And then I said, I want to go there. And then it gave me a map from where I was to there. And, and in, literally, in, I mean, it took me maybe two minutes to, from when I decided to look it up to when I had a map to where I was going. So, you know, this may be old hat. I, when I was uh, down in Orlando, um, there's some friends of my wife's that are there, and they had a Lexus that has all this in their dash. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is maybe old news for a lot of people, but yeah, it is. to have an iPhone that you just tap, 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 and you're there, that's new for me. And uh, it's, it's remarkably, it works remarkably well. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely an extra good feature. Um, that makes it a little better. I'm even impressed with some of the apps. Um, you know, it's got Skype, and that's that's really cool. For some reason, um, I believe this is only true in Canada, which sucks. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, the the Skype will not work with 3G, um, in the sense that uh, I can't make a Skype call through 3G. I have no, to mine do either. it through wi Wi-Fi. Yeah. Okay, well maybe yeah. it's not only. I bet if it was unlocked, it could. Ah, maybe so. Maybe so. It might be time to jailbreak it. I only <laughs> had it a week, and I might be jailbreaking it. You bet. We'll see. Um, one one app that I really thought was pretty cool too is um, a barcode scanner. Uh huh. So so what you do is you download this app, and it doesn't add a laser, but what it does is it adds uh, uh, some software to the photo program. Uh huh. So when you take a picture of a barcode, it looks it up. Uh, on the internet and oh, gives you, cool. yeah, access to reviews and prices. So uh, I was in Superstore the other day looking at uh, coffee makers, and uh, oh, that one's a great deal. Maybe you should scan scan it. Um, uh, for initial reviews, good. Second reviews, bad. Didn't huh. get it. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Yep. So Neat. it's uh, handy. Andy. Yeah, I had a, an app. I, I can't remember what the name of it is. It was really cool when I got it, but then they ended up really not using it. 
but it was for books. You would mm-hmm. take a photograph of the cover of a book, mm-hmm. and it would send you, it would figure out what the book is, and then uh, send you to uh, reviews and things of, of the book. And uh, yeah, I thought it was neat, but I ended up not using it. <laughs> so, you know, it's meant, you know, if you're in a bookstore or something, you're like, I wonder if this is any good. Yeah. Um, CBC Radio put out an app as well for oh. um, for uh, their three radio N- stations. NPR app on mine that's just terrific. I wonder if I can get the NPR one, but probably uh, the CBC yeah. Radio app has you know streaming. Uh, it has all their internet stuff, right? But it's portable, so mm-hmm. you can listen to uh, any major CBC station across Canada uh, of the three networks, and um, that's. Well, it sounds yeah. The NPR one's very similar. You can pick up a feed uh, from wherever you want the live feed, or you can access the shows that are the podcast shows mm-hmm. um, without downloading the podcast. It just streams in. Right. Yeah. So it's super simple and great. You know, I listen to it every morning. Does yours have iTunes built in? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I didn't realize that was one of the. Uh, I'm not sure. Can Can you like? Um download new podcasts um, automatically? I've never tried to do that? that. I've never tried to do that. I always get it through the sync, but um, I have listened to podcasts, but it streams in. It doesn't download it and put it somewhere. Yeah, that's what I wasn't sure about yet. Yeah, but I don't know. I've never tried to do it the other way, so I don't know if you can or not, but I know you can buy music and have it download into there. So well, I don't uh, see why you couldn't do it with a you podcast. Can, you can get podcasts. I'm just wondering if you can set it up to do it automatically. Like, oh. if I was out in a boat in the middle of the ocean, uh-huh. <laughs> well, maybe. I probably wouldn't have cell, cell access. But <laughs> if I was on a train and I wanted to download uh, all my podcasts in the mm-hmm. morning, I wonder if it would do that. Yeah. Someone will know. Yeah. Someone would know. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.